Evil is back. Back in the news, back in our conversation, if indeed it was ever gone. For many of us in the United States, the events of September 11, nearly 10 years ago, resurrected evil in a single day. How could we comprehend this catastrophe without confronting the concept of evil? Just as the brutality of the American Civil War shattered the sunny optimism of 19th century Unitarians, Unitarians, the September 11 attacks unnerved Unitarian Universalists. Is it possible to reconcile such horror with the inherent worth and dignity of every person? Are Unitarian Universalists soft on evil? Forest Church thought so. Some religious liberals cringe at the word evil. The late Unitarian Universalist minister wrote in 2004, I don't. Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, Saddam Hussein, and Osama bin Laden are not basically good people who sometimes did and do bad things, Forest Church wrote. They are agents of evil. It took the Unitarian Universalist Association six years after 9-11 to produce a pamphlet titled Unitarian Universalist Views of Evil. But the views published in the pamphlet tend to reduce evil to a personal or social weakness akin to sin or shortcoming. What is this word evil? And does it help us understand and respond to our world. The word descends from the Old English, evil, meaning simply bad, cruel, unskillful, or defective. My dictionary defines the noun as, first, the fact of suffering, misfortune, and wrongdoing, and second, a cosmic evil force. Suffering, misfortune, and wrongdoing are painfully, undeniably real. Anyone who imagined otherwise even before September 11 was not in touch with reality. But when suffering, misfortune, and wrongdoing are attributed to a cosmic evil force, I start getting nervous. When someone uses evil as a noun, it's never quite clear whether they mean the fact of suffering alone or some terrible, implacable, supernatural entity. As I am skeptical of the demonic and easily spooked, I avoid using evil as a noun. Evil reminds me of phlogiston. Well into the 18th century, scientists believed that fire was a material substance they dubbed phlogiston. Today, we know that fire arises from the rapid oxidation of fuel when certain conditions of temperature and dryness are present. Fire occurs not as an independent principle, but as the consequence of identifiable prerequisite conditions. In the same way, evil arises when certain conditions are present. Poverty, Powerlessness, childhood abuse and deprivation, rage, mental illness, 
We may not know which conditions are causal, often we don't, but our ignorance does not negate their existence. Neither does the fact that evil is not always their result. If I do think of evil as a principle, I think of it as organized fear, pain and suffering that has metastasized tragically into cruelty and violence, sometimes on a mass scale. The adjective evil, my dictionary, defines as morally reprehensible, sinful, wicked, or arising from bad character or conduct. By this definition, we are confronted with evil all the time, including in ourselves. If we use the word evil simply to up the ethical ante, to label conduct or speech not only bad, but really, really, really bad, then I guess I have no quarrel with it. The language of evil may help us take our problems seriously. The danger, I think, arises when we use the word as a moral trump card, at the sight of which any further inquiry, any attempt to understand the perpetrator must cease. That's what happened two decades ago in the notorious Wilding case in New York City. On April 19, 1989, a 28-year-old financier at Solomon Brothers was jogging in Central Park where she was raped, bludgeoned, and left to die. The jogger was white, her accused assailants black and Latino. Immediately, the cry of evil and animals went up from politicians and commentators. To understand is to forgive, said Mayor Ed Koch. I don't want to understand. He just wanted them put away. Columnist George F. Will mocked the sociological cant and learned garbage of anyone who sought a reason for the crime. Mr. Will's explanation was simple. The attackers did what they did because they are evil. The 2009 home invasion in Mount Vernon, New Hampshire, that left a mother dead and her 11-year-old daughter maimed, provoked a similar response. A comment on the Manchester Union Leader website from Deb R. in Revere, Massachusetts was typical. Death penalty is too quick a punishment. May a jury of his peers tie the killer to a pole and hack off a small piece of him slowly and leave him to bleed out and die painfully. There is no justifying this creature as human, no rehabilitating this evil. Three exclamation points. On another website, someone posted about the criminals, evil has no bounds unless you are a liberal who can justify a program for these scum. When I was a young law student, my professors taught me about epithetical jurisprudence. That's when you call someone a bad name and the name you call them decides the case. Once we call someone evil, we're supposed to suspend our powers of reason and understanding. We cast 
the evildoers outside the circle of humanity, to extend to them any empathy or even curiosity is to be guilty of, at best, naivety and, at worst, treason. But evil, in fact, is not always what it seems. In 2002, 13 years after the Central Park attack, the convictions of all five teenagers were vacated when another man confessed, and his DNA was matched conclusively with that found on the victim. One of the original defendants, Youssef Salam, was only 15 years old when he was arrested. He served nearly seven years in prison where he earned his high school equivalency. Upon his release, he put himself through college. He now works in a hospital. The media portrayed me like a demon, he reflected recently. I was that person who was the worst person that ever lived, who needed to be disposed of. People wanted us to be hanging from a tree by the end of the day in Central Park so that their idea of justice could be served. Today, Salam uses his life experience to try to keep teenagers out of trouble. Part of my activism, he says, came about from realizing that it's not enough for me to get a job, sit behind a desk, and make money. If I can't use my situation, my case, to impact the lives of others and teach them and help them. Asked how he'd like to be known, he answers, it would be good to be known as a person who's a good person, who's a good father, a person who has ideas and thoughts, and who's trying to make a difference. In a world of infinite shades of color, evil is black and white. In a world that is always changing, before our eyes, evil admits no change. As the Boston Globe's Ellen Goodman points out, the word doesn't allow for the shifting sands that end up with the photograph of George Bush and Vladimir Putin and Jiang Zemin, president of the United States and heirs to the evil empires, now allies in Chinese silk jackets. It doesn't allow for Iran striking deals with the great American Satan. In a world divided between God's people and Satan's people, Goodman observes, surely God's people are justified in doing anything to Satan's people. She concludes, while Osama bin Laden may be willing to believe that, I am not. But if some of us can believe in angels, should we not also believe in devils, demonic spirits that can seduce or defeat our better natures? Religions from Roman Catholicism to Santeria to Voodoo affirm the reality of evil spirits. Perfectly rational, down-to-earth people have told me of entering a room and feeling a palpably evil energy there. So I can't rule out the possibility that fear and pain can be concentrated into an energy beyond my comprehension. 
Yet I would agree with Milarepa that the answer to fear and pain, whether dilute or concentrated, remains compassion. Compassion does not mean passivity. It does not mean acquiescence in our own destruction. To understand does not mean to excuse nor to tolerate. Sharon Salzberg, Buddhist meditation teacher and author of the book Loving Kindness, tells how as a young woman she once traveled by rickshaw through the teeming streets of Calcutta. In a winding alley, a huge man suddenly stepped from the darkness, obstructed her passage, and attempted to drag her out of the rickshaw. Images of rape and murder flashed through her mind, but she was helpless until her companion managed to fend off the drunken assailant and the rickshaw driver pressed on. Later, when Sharon told her meditation teacher what had happened, he said gently, Oh, Sharon, with all the loving kindness in your heart, you should have taken your umbrella and hit that man over the head with it. Telling the story, Salzburg concludes, compassion is not at all weak. It is the strength that arises out of seeing the true nature of suffering in the world. Compassion allows us to bear witness to that suffering, whether it is in ourselves or others. Violent people must be prevented from harming others by force and even incarceration when necessary. But everything, good and bad, happens for a reason. Searching out the reasons enables us to address the conditions that make bad things happen and to take effective action to prevent their happening again. As Dean Stanley Fish of the University of Illinois at Chicago puts it, you don't condone a bad act because you describe it accurately. In fact, you put yourself in a better position to respond to it by taking its true measure. If we reduce an enemy to evil, we conjure up a shape-shifting demon, a wild card moral anarchist beyond our comprehension and therefore beyond the reach of any counter strategies. As Unitarian Universalists, we affirm the inherent worth and dignity of every person. Every person. The ones some call evil are cut off from their own inherent worth and dignity by fear, pain, and anger. Although they have forgotten who they really are, we need not make the same mistake. Indeed, we must not or we risk becoming like them. A few days after 9-11, Thich Nhat Hanh, the Vietnamese Zen poet and peace activist, was asked about evil. He answered, evil exists. God exists also. Evil and God are two sides of ourselves. God is that great understanding, that great love within us. That is what we call Buddha also, the enlightened mind that is able to see through all ignorance. 
What is evil? It is when the face of God, the face of the Buddha within us has become hidden. It is up to us to choose whether the evil side becomes more important or whether the side of God and the Buddha shines out. Although the side of great ignorance of evil may be manifesting so strongly at one time that that does not mean that God is not there. Every human being contains within him or herself all the elements of great understanding, great compassion, and also ignorance, hatred, and violence. When I label another person or people evil, I ignore my own ignorance, hatred, and violence, and instead project it outward onto the other, the alien, the enemy. In so doing, I lose two vital opportunities to learn more about myself and to learn more about the other. In our interdependent and dangerous world, these are opportunities too precious to squander. So we must seek to cure the ignorance of others while admitting our own. We must resist hatred in others as in ourselves. We must stop the violence directed against us and the violence lurking in our own hearts. Then we begin to understand. Amen. And blessed be.